Hey, Digital Wildcatters, welcome back to BDE Big Digital Energy. Colin again is out with the mysterious prostate injury. <laughs> I love that. That never, never gets old. get old to me. Back with my partners in crime, Mark Meyer, Kirk Coburn. Real quick, this is going to drop on August 15th. So we mm -hmm. kind of have two important dates in history that I want to make sure everyone is aware of. August 13th. What's it the anniversary of? 1982, the Skilling. movie Fast, Fast Times, Times at Ridgemont, Ridgemont High, High dropped. Yes. You did. <laughs> exactly. Favorite line? That was your favorite line from it? Uh, I think it was probably when Spicoli said, I figure this is our time. And then, you know, I, I'll bring back a better, better. What one. are you doing, Jeff? Learning about Cuba, having some food. That's awesome. What was your favorite line in the movie? That was one of them. That was one of The other was, people on lewds should not drive. <laughs> so my favorite is at the end when he rescues Brooke Shields from drowning and blows the reward oh, yeah. money hiring Van Halen Halen. to play his birthday party. While that that was the dream sequence at the end. That was the dream sequence at the end. Or no the, the closing. The Yeah. How many o Oscar winners or obviously future Oscar winners. How many Oscar winners were actually involved in Fast Times at Ridgemont High? I'm going to say three. I think it's more than that. So Sean Penn. Sure. Right? Of course. Um, and actually. Did he get Falcon the Snowman? Is that where he won his first one? Random movie, but. I thought it was Milk that he won his first one. But Who maybe cares? I think that's anyway, right. Yeah. Sean yeah. Penn. So Sean Pitt, which we do need to say here, for him to play Jeff Spicoli following him playing Alex and Taps is just Say what wow. you want about Sean Great Penn. Movie. But I mean Speaking like back-to-back -back movie roles, two totally different characters. He is a great actor. Okay, so we got Sean Penn. We got Forrest Whitaker, right? Jefferson. He won the Oscar for <laughs> The Last King of Scotland. He did. Right. I forget. He was the Good football pull. player whose exactly. Camaro got. We've got uh, Cameron Crowe, who wrote the thing. He's won an Oscar at some point for a screenplay. I'm not sure uh, which one. Um, then we've got Nicolas Cage. Remember, he's in the he's in the beginning. He's actually he's not even one of Spicoli's Vans weed smoking buddies i think that is that is right he's obvious he's obviously won an oscar and then i think amy heckerling who directed it won an oscar at some point great scene when they're rolling out of the van at the prom the door slides up and they're in ties and vans and shorts and just this cloud of smoke comes rolling out of the van the, Ch cheech and chong ask yeah i love that. no shoes no, no shirt no, no dice wow great movie Okay, so the second anniversary we have to uh, bring up, and this is more germane. So you're day. talking about August 15th. I was thinking well, Enron, well, that, but, but okay, hey. Okay, so, so August 14th, 2001, what happened? Go ahead. That's all I said is I know it has something to do with Enron because I, every so time August comes we're playing by, straight here, so. a okay. dark cloud flies we over know. the Jeff, city of Houston. Jeff Skilling resigned. And, became, and, and, and then you became Mr. Skilling. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Are we revealing? Mr. Reveal Skilling party? is going. No way, Yates. Okay, let me gets let me Yates reiterate that that enough. thesis or that conspiracy theory. One, it's 
clever, sometimes awkward commentary. And as I've said, Chuck has the highest awkward threshold of any human being I've ever met, which is good for a, a media personality <laughs> who who touts his appearances on TMZ, which led to another victory this weekend. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Two, he has time, right? I did for have sure. time there for a while. You're currently, and three, he knows the business, so. But the reason we know for a fact I'm not Mr. Skilling is because, oh, the other one that you cited in in support of that was what? He despises a firm. Oh, yeah. He, he does not despise Kane Anderson enough. And uh, he does oh, dislike wrong. Kevin McCarthy a little bit at Kane, but not enough to be The congressman, the Speaker of the House? No, I, I but wait a minute, I, Chuck. I think part of that is your alter ego. You can't be too harsh on because you're already harsh enough publicly. <laughs> no, I'm not. The non-disparagement agreement says <laughs> I do. All right, so Mark, you got a mystery item. What's yeah, the mystery my item mystery item is August 14th. So we're kind of playing with the 13th, 14th, 15th here. Is that is yeah that right? So go ahead. Today is Pakistan Independence Day. Really? I lived in Karachi for a couple of years. And then when I was in the States on the buy side, the analyst that worked for me, her birthday was on 814. I always wished her a happy Pakistan Independence nice. Day. Nice. I like that. I'll go one more while we're doing this because it's more appropriate this week. Do you know what August 16th is? It First is day the, of school? It is the day Pete Best got fired as the Beatles drummer and replaced by Clarence. <laughs> exactly. Re replaced by Ringo Starr. And it's always very awkward because one, who would want to sit next to that guy in the pub? You know, we can, you can have a shittier day. Pete Best had a shittier day than any of us have had. That being said, it's always awkward because on August 15th, Ringo Starr always tweets out, today is the day John and Paul asked me to join the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump in. What's going on in China, Mark? This is crazy. Well, uh, Reuters and the Guardian had a little more. The Guardian had a little more detail, but just a headline about, you know, we're worried now about demand and it's related to crude maybe faltering here a little mm -hmm. bit. I'd say faltering is down at eighty-two and change. That at my last look from. You know, it's still with, summer, so news stories are pretty slow. Flirting, so flirting with 85. And this was really sparked by, there's been a lot of discussion that I haven't been able to delve into over the weekend around uh, Chinese banking and liquidity, et cetera. But the main data point that it looks like created a bit of a shoot first, ask questions later was last month's in, inflation print for China was actually deflation. Now, that was uh, core excluding volatile core excluding the proverbial volatile food and energy was actually up. So this was uh, primarily a function based upon digging a little bit to the Guardian commentary around mainly food, uh, driving the, the, the month data point on year-over-year -year uh, deflation. You know, you, you spin this out into what, the, what could this alter, ultimately mean in, in a bit of a uh, more dismal scenario is this, you know, China essentially turning into Japan, Japan after their asset price bubble burst back in the eighties. Right. So, so, well, and, so Mark, where does, what's the source of this data? Uh, the source of the data would have to be one of the official Chinese exactly. data publications, which, you know, like the crude <laughs> adjustment factor, 
<laughs> always raises some data quality concerns. Like my kids when something's broken. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And it is a single data point. There's well, a lot more to unpack here, I'm sure. Well, um, you know, Mark Rosano has been adamant for a while on Twitter talking about China's overlevered. They're not going to have the stimulus spending that everybody's been talking about. Um, he pointed out, I think, that Juan lending was down 90% in July. And so he's been adamant of do not hang your hat on China stimulus spending to grow that economy. That we they have, have real debt problems. But we have been talking about this literally for over 30 years. China has not really hiccuped that much at all, except, I mean, what, 2008, everyone sort of dipped, but we're not seeing, like China is dependent upon the US, US is dependent on China for the global economy to keep going. I know China's been super active in this, what is it, Belt and Road Initiative. I can see a dip, but they've got clearly other hidden levers to keep that economy going. I don't know, but we've been talking about this literally Every few years we talk about China taking it in the chin and they don't. And I don't know why. I mean, maybe you guys have much better thoughts on that. Yeah, I think a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with just the opaqueness and ambiguity around trying right. to hang your hat on any trends worth of data points in in China in, in the in the quality of the data reporting itself, but and even in the Inflation Reduction Act and the chip like you know, people are trying to move manufacturing out of China because it's more expensive to other regions to build chips and even uh, uh, technology. But that's not happening. We're not seeing that actually. And, and that could take at least five to almost 10 years for that to actually come into play. So it's gonna be interesting to watch. Well, you have one presidential candidate talking about ultimately weaning the US from dependency on China. And you look at some of the intractable things on technology supply chain basis mm -hmm. and even some of the raw materials like 80% of the world's processed processed cobalt refined cobalt comes out of right. out of China um, I don't I forget what the percentage of photovoltaics for example if that transition is going to be make made away from or diversified away from it's going to take uh, really a, a, a multi-decade period and a lot of political contortions between now and then which is yeah. interesting. I know we weren't going there, Chuck, but are we going to talk about sort of Elon Musk prediction and power and what's happening? We are. We are next. I, I, I would. I would also point out that with all of this potentially profound shift on the demand side, if you know, if this does turn into a verifiable trend, you know, there, there's been a little bit of shoot first, ask questions later, but. I just glanced at the XOP. It's down a few tens of basis points. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the largest U.S. company down similarly in Exxon, and then you know, crudes off a couple of bucks relative to kind of contemporary high. Um, you know, I think sorting through some of this stuff, and and maybe we're a little bit distracted market wise by what's going on in uh, in Lahaina. With we'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, you know, the thing stating the obvious here with an air of discovery, but, you know, the deal with China, I mean, a slight alteration in trajectory is a big freaking number. Oh, yeah. Know? That is and true. So that's the, that being said, 
one of my favorite Jerry Seinfeld jokes, and no one ever laughs at this, so I'll just go ahead and tell it to our whole audience and just own it. What is the traditional greeting in the Chinese army? General, I enjoy your chicken, and I yours. <laughs> that's, that's funny. That's funny. Genius. Yeah, exactly. Wow, All right, that's so, pretty funny. So, Kirk, let's get to your power uh, issue thing. You know, Elon Musk says we're going to need 3x the electricity demand by 2045. PG&E says it's only going to be up 70%. McKinsey says it's up 2x by 2045. Uh, You know, we're seeing all sorts of rising uh, wait times for connecting to the grids. I think the backlog, I heard... The directional of this will be right, but the numbers will be wrong. I think I heard it's gone from three years to eight years. I mean, it's that magnitude of kind of backlog. Well, and we've talked about things up. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the transformers in particular, right? Yeah, that's right. You which can't is, even find them, right? But we were saying uh, total clean power installations were down nineteen percent year over year in the first half of twenty twenty three. So Elon Musk came out and said that that he believes that that energy demand will triple by 2045 as discussed i think he in some ways it's not forecasting it's planning i worked for an executive that always said we don't forecast we plan i think he's planning because if you take sort of what's happening in china if you take that where all the materials are coming from elon's saying something on the demand side he's saying that this tripling of of electricity demand is primarily being driven to ev adoption I think that's real interesting, but the problem is we can't catch up. Like we're not only 7% of cars sold last year were were EVs. I've got a stat on the car side, but there's not enough materials. There's not enough projects being actually green lighted to build out this tripling of demand. So to me, it's maybe Elon's going out on a limb saying, hey, I think McKinsey and PG&E and all these experts are wrong. It's going to be much greater than that. But I'm having a hard time seeing how the math gets there in terms well, of just actual. Well, one, one th- my stack, because I had Tim Kramer on the podcast about three or four weeks ago, and he's created mm. the only ETF out there that allow or mutual fund that allows you to get direct power price exposure. Right. And his whole point is, you know, buy buy this and put it in the in the closet for 10 years and thank me later. But we've been talking a lot, and this is a crazy stat. I mean, just to run a Google search, and I run 100 of them a day, is one watt. To run an AI-driven search is actually five watts. And to train the AI language model to be able to run that one search, it's anywhere from 100 to 1,000 watts. So I guarantee you that's not baked into the number. And AI is going to be embedded in everything on the planet. And, 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 the, and the initial training run to connect it to emissions and climate, the initial training run of the typical AI model emits as much as your average American vehicle over five life over five lifetimes, five X over yeah. the lifetime of the average ice vehicle. And we, we, we do need to have someone on the show to talk through this, but like data centers, like, you know, the biggest data center providers are running out of space and they can't build them fast enough. The problem is you can't build them because there's no power they don't have enough power to actually power these data centers. So there's so, so we're getting increasingly out of sync if we've narrowed the choice for new generation. We're not addressing what we've talked about, which is really the 
it's always back to the grid. It's always about the grid, stupid. <clears throat> We're narrowing the choice of generation. And in, yeah. in past shows, we've talked about what's going on with things like offshore wind. Timelines are getting pushed out because of the reset on things like bids, because of you know regulatory or tax uncertainty, and more importantly, what's going on with the inflation aspect of all of this build out. So uh, I, I happen to believe that the numbers that you've cited on the multiple multiplier of electricity demand related strictly to AI are pretty severely well. That came directly from That's a senior executive, one of the largest uh, right uh, data center providers. Well, I guess what I'm saying is I'll take the over on that. Well, and let, let's let's you know bet on the over even more because Mark, you made this point um, a while ago on the show. The IRA came out and didn't say, hey, we want lower emissions market, go figure it out. It came out and said, we want electric vehicles, mm -hmm. period. And we've talked mm -hmm. about that and my tinfoil hat conspiracy on that. I mean, Bitcoin mining's real. You know, you may not believe it, whatever, but it is real and it uses a lot of like, the Xbox. I feel almost like guilty talking about Bitcoin mining without Colin in the room. Yeah, his did. eyes light up. Yeah, like, that, well, his, he, he had a his he, brain he, starts mining when we're talking yeah, about he, mining. He had uh, not to go off on a tangent here, but he did have an a, an interesting entrepreneurial idea on the drive up to Oklahoma, where he thought about you know using uh, flare gas for Bitcoin. Why don't you co locate a crematorium? Yeah, right. And, and <laughs> I was, was right. He was asking for names that. of the business. <laughs> so the basement of the Brown Palace Hotel in Denver actually housed a crematorium for years and i, I kid that. you not they uh made the melba toast in the uh in what? the crematorium oh, shit. whatever the devices that burns people but that's why the brown palace had the best melba toast forever it was incredibly crisp because they could get it so hot I, I used to make a quarterly trip and stay at the brown palace for a long ago uh, board rotation do you remember that what's the What's the older tavern on the lower floor? Ships, no ships. Oh, uh, there's Ships Tavern, and there's also Churchill's. The, uh, the there was a there bar. was a waiter in one of those in in the older of the two, and I apologize apologize to um, Denver preservationists and historians, but there was a waiter. This was back ten years ago, who had been working there since 1964, which is. That's a long time. It's longer than we than than all three of us combined have ever held a job. If if if, wall, <laughs> if if walls could talk, that that's a living talking wall right there. Yeah. So anyway, the uh, interesting. So the, another data point. So I came. I've come off the the mountaintop experience from Nantucket down to the valley. Good. And I'm glad you didn't mention my Mississippi mud flap or what'd you call it earlier? The, the Kentucky, Kentucky waterfall. waterfall, the Tennessee top hat. The mullet, All business up front, party in the back. The <laughs> hockey hair, the ten ninety, the achy, breaky, big mistakey. Ooh, but it's hot down here. And um, is I, is is it too bright, or is is your future so bright you gotta wear shades? <laughs> I just figured. My wife said, "You know what? We're giving you a mullet for the show." Um, I've gotten feedback from. Did she people. do it herself? Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome. She's great. She's good at that. But but I've had feedback. Welcome back, Mark. Because first, people complained last show to me specifically that we miss that Mark guy. I'm like, dude, you're one of my good friends. They're like, yeah, we miss that Mark guy. It was my girlfriend that was complaining. <laughs> Where's Mark? I don't but know. I'm in the I'm in the I'm in the market for a new car. I am tired. Of, I have massive range anxiety. 
and my luxury EV and mullets don't go together. So I've been looking at cars. There's a lack of inventory. Yeah. But if you want an EV, I don't care what manufacturer, but I'm looking at sort of top high-end uh, EVs. They are gluttonous. There are so many EVs available. I see a crash coming or, or there's so many EVs that have flooded, but people aren't buying them. Maybe it's because of the, the inflation. Maybe there's fears, but I'm like, there's something really wrong here with the demand supply premium here. And it has to do with energy. It has to do with lack of infrastructure. Mark my words. I think as penance, you're going to need to drive my 2013 6.2 liter Raptor for at least a year. I've been trying to convince my wife that I want a caddy and one of those old Fleetwoods, but it's, I just can't get that. What are you trading out of? What? What are you trading out of? What, mean, what, what what's what's the what's the what's the source of your range anxiety? It's two hundred miles, tiny. Okay, <laughs> that was clearly. I'm not going to so tell not, you. You're not trading into another EV or even a hybrid. Oh, I'm going into. I'm going back to fuel, where you fill it up and you can find a fuel station every. You know, depending if you're in a city, you can find them every hundred yards. But when you're on the road, I can make it from one fuel stop to so, the next. So I saw Toyota's coming back with a new iteration on the Land Cruiser with more of an FJ form factor or body style. Yeah. I, w I was still kind of on the fence about Those whether are cool I like that. Well, you know, I did drive the Tesla X for six years, and it was a, an amazing Wait, is this car. when you had your jet? This is back when I had. Oh my, my gosh! Yeah, the irony. We have one of them. Oh, it's a, you. I had a jet. I had a Hummer H two, and I had a Tesla X. God, it didn't matter what investor I was talking to. I God, had something I covered. You. But uh, anyway, Mark's heard this story, but you'll have to sit through it, Kirk. So one day, I forget to plug in my car, and I live down in Richmond, twenty five miles out of downtown. I get in my car. I'm heading to work. I got eighty eight. Hang on. Yeah. You live in the Richmond house. I live in the Richmond house. So if you say Richmond, you're you're the map is your house. He's the mayor. Yeah, it, it was it was actually a fine dining restaurant back in the sixties named the Richmond House. And the trout wines did not believe in paying income taxes. So like if you were a waiter and they withheld from your paycheck, they didn't send that in. So the federal government <laughs> what? owned my house. Money laundering in restaurants? From about 72 to 74, literally chain around my house with a big old padlock on it. But So anyway, I get in my car. What I'm color was this Tesla? It was white. Oh, okay. It had the it had the back to the future wings yeah, on it, cool. the X. Did you drive down the road with those things up or what? Nah, it wouldn't All let right. you. Okay. It actually would not let you. All right. It would not let All the right. car go. So anyway, I'm driving. It's I've got 88 miles of range. I have a meeting in the woodlands that day, et cetera. <laughs> and I am going through all the iterations in my mind of what to do. Do I stop at a Whole Foods, maybe charge? I don't really have time. I had an apartment at the time, more towards downtown. They had a charger. I couldn't really figure that out. I finally just drove into the office. I walked in and I said to my assistant, Stacy, I'm really sorry, but you're just going to have to take my car drive five miles north of town, charge it, and bring it back to me, and I've got to leave in two and a half hours. And she looked at me, and she goes, Chuck, you've officially become a prick. <laughs> <laughs> so range anxiety is real. All right, last, uh, last item we've got, what's going on in Hawaii? 
Well, well I mean, go ahead. You, you I, I mean, serve it up. You, you see the devastating impact of the Lahaina fires, and this really ties in a bit to our which thoughts and prayers for everyone involved. Yeah, in that. Well, in, absolutely. In, in and there, there are, there are a that, number. That's horrific. There are a number. I, I was listening as I always do on the way over from my long drive with no range anxiety from the woodlands. Uh, Shane Victorino is a retired MLB player, is a native of Maui and Lahaina. And there are a number of sports figures. I saw an MMA fighter who have set up. BJ these, Penn? No, no? Uh, female. Yeah. Um, set up a, um, you know, there's a lot of direct donation type of alternatives. People are on the ground really trying to make things happen. Um, and you know, unfortunately the last data point I saw in about two to 3% with only two to 3% of the burned buildings, uh, searched and confirmed, they've found like 93 people. So it's, it's a, it's a devastating situation and there are multiple avenues set up to provide help. Uh, I'm sure they want disaster tourists to stay away, right? To, to be able to conduct the recovery operations. And, and so um, it seems like it's all in, in, in the midst of this chaos, it's, you got a lot of, you got a lot of high profile support that is helping get things organized pretty quickly. But I've been digging in, I've been digging into this Chuck and Mark and Hawaiian electric uh, industries, their stock dropped nearly 40% on Monday because today. of tip, which is today, but we're we are releasing this tomorrow so i want to act like but it stocks way down there are concerns that the the wapo even mentioned report questioning if hawaiian electric took adequate safety measures because there are warnings about these potentially dangerous fire conditions due to high gusts like the high 75 mile winds would would knock down these poles and and Lahaina also like there's a lot of brush. I've, we've talked about this about wildflowers in California and, and and the Pacific Northwest being caused because the forests in the in in the area have not been adequately managed so that there's all this brush fire. So that when fire hits, you get wind, you get a lot of brush fire. Like it's a it's a time bomb. Um, there's also lawsuits that have already popped up through this because the failure, because they failed to shut off the power during high periods. And what's interesting is one of their executives mentioned, we don't quote, we don't have an established shutoff protocol and that precautionary shutoffs require coordination with first responders. So Hawaiian Electric's almost admitting that we didn't have any like real safety protocols. And a lot of people are starting to point the finger that this is a preventable issue here. And clearly, what, what do you guys think? I read, I read a story, don't know if this is true, and you know, we should let facts come out, certainly before lawsuits and probably before even commenting on But we're podcasts. the first to break a lot of things yeah, here that, on this that, podcast. That is true, but uh, there was actually talk that early in the fire, it was contained, and then the fire trucks kind of, and first responders sort mm. of stepped back and said, oh, we've got it contained knowing that there were going to be high winds later in the afternoon. I mean, you're right. Hawaii is known for the trade winds that run through. And so uh, there's that. There's also been conspiracy stuff out that the federal government has trying to be trying to reclaim some land. <laughs> eminent in the, domain. In, right. Eminent domain. For foreign, to sell to foreign people. Yeah. I'm like, okay. 
Maybe. So, so, but you know, we, we, we saw this with PG and E in California with mm-hmm. brush fires, the same thing. The stocks got beat up in advance of thinking and, through potential lawsuits. And, so. and Mike Umbro has tweeted about this issue of, of forest management practices and allowing, you know, the layers of dead growth to accumulate without any active management uh, or with, with minimal active management, which is a big shift from the way, you know, things happen. But if I'm a global warming tinfoil hat guy, I'm saying this is the oil and gas industry doing this. Because if you think about if everything is dependent upon the grid, renewables, our power comes from the grid. If the grid goes down, we're not going to be able to go anywhere because our cars don't have any battery power left. We've run out of batteries. We're kind of screwed, right? So you need more oil and gas. We need other forms of fuel. Well, you do You do get to the point with kind of the conspiracy mm-hmm. folks and the and the leftist leading environmentalists of why aren't you burying power lines? Yeah, you know? I yeah mean, absolutely. You know, and it's money. It's, it's super greedy, expensive. It's, but, hey. it's greedy utilities that won't just bury the lines. And I mean, we've stuff. already spent $900 per person, but that means the three of us here in the room that actually pay federal taxes on the war in Ukraine. Think about what it'll cost to bury power lines across the United States. That infrastructure would bury us. Yeah. There's no way we can afford it. Yeah, and we're going to have to spend every available dollar going forward just adding to the grid, much yeah. less burying well, it. I, I will say that, and maybe there's a connection in terms of the anxiety that this causes for these types of, of potential long-term outages and, and, and grid stress, and we're certainly living a lot of that day to day for the last seemingly six weeks in Houston. Um, I, I, I will admit to going on Generac's website last night and <laughs> putting, putting in all the particulars in terms of, of uh, getting an estimate for a whole home solution. I, I think this, is, this is this is 15 years after uh, in the immediate aftermath of Hurricane Ike when we lost power for three and a half days that I'm darn sure going to put are we officially is that officially known as old man porn is when you <laughs> go onto a Generac website and customize out your 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 ideal environment I don't know so, I'll have to ask an old man <laughs> Some, sometimes I fill out the forms twice in one day <laughs> I promise <laughs> that we do but in all seriousness, thoughts and prayers for the folks in Hawaii because that's just horrific. And and hopefully we can have a thoughtful, when the facts come out, a thoughtful discussion of how we handle these issues because as we in the previous segment, just talking about the more power we are going to use, that's more lines. That's more transmission. And it's less, go the less technology improves, it's gonna, everything's going to run hotter as no. well. So, I mean, there's a lot of things to, to think about. So, Kirk, Vlad, was really upset last week. Mark, you missed this. So last week, Vlad, our biggest fan, I see him in the coffee shop. He says, Chuck, <laughs> got a bone to pick with you. Sit down. Where's Mark? Well, yes, exactly. Where's Gosh, Mark? Mark? Where's my you favorite? have to say it? Yeah, exactly. Shit. No, he was really upset we hadn't done a finger of the week in a while. I said, Vlad, we'll bring it back. Don't have one this week, but we'll bring it back. We have a finger of the week. I actually made the video, so we're going to run the video right now, blah, 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 and all that. Kirk. What's the finger of the week? The finger of the week is.
Nestle Toll House cookies have been recalled. And you're like, why could they be recalled? What could possibly be the problem? Is cookie dough. The cookie dough. Because they found wood chips inside of it. And I eat that stuff raw. <laughs> I mean, I like... I've been known to... Oh, we got stacks of it in the fridge. Yeah. Where, do the, to, where does the wood come from? Like, who the hell does that? That's just wrong. Kids eat this. Twitter's awesome because people are like, I love the wood. Like, extra wood. It's hilarious. <laughs> There's so much ratios going on right now. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's, uh, so, anyway. So, screw so, Nestle. That's yeah. just wrong. The Toll House cookie. Cutting corners on the Toll House cookie. Where Extra filler. Ugh, it's natural. It's horrible. All right, everybody. If you enjoyed this week's show, and I have no idea why you would have, but if you enjoyed this <laughs> week's show, tell your friends about it, subscribe to it, hit us up on Twitter, LinkedIn, all social media, and join us next week when we'll be back, and we'll see if we can drag Colin back from his prostate injury. <laughs>